Jesus' ministry is one where he took great action. Jesus took great action. As we are approaching the cross and we are approaching the empty tomb, we get drawn in closer and closer to the teachings of Jesus. We get closer and closer to understanding what he was really driving home. This season of Lent is a season where we've actually been looking at the Gospel of Mark. We have been moving through the Gospel of Mark. And as we've looked at it, the Gospel of Mark is set up with acts. You know, you have first act, second act, third act. We're getting closer to the third act. But here in the second act that we find ourselves in, we just see Jesus continuing to do actions, continuing to interact with people, continuing to, to walk around and just to meet people and, and to have people come up and have conversations with them. But the thing is that we consistently see as we read through the Gospel of Mark, every time that Jesus has an action, we then see the people have a way to go and act as well. Jesus doesn't call us to be a static people. He calls us to be a people that are moving and growing and going closer to what He has designed us to be right now and to become. This is a beautiful thing for us. The church word for this is holiness. God is always calling you on to be holy. That's not a boring term by any means. It's a beautiful term. I define holiness as perfect love. That's a good thing to move toward. Being the perfect love of Christ to those around us. Our actions, though, do they represent what Christ is calling us to be? This is something that I think most of us begin to wonder about our lives and can ask ourselves, is this really what I'm all about? Am I really all in? Am I devoted to God? I like this word loyalty. I don't know sometimes if I use it the right way or if I use it the wrong way, but it's fun. Like, and I don't know if it's also that I just grew up watching westerns as a kid too, where like, the cowboys were loyal to each other, you know, at the OK Corral and stuff like this. But I love it, loyalty. I love when I'm loyal to someone, and I love when people are loyal to me, right? We, we love this. But sometimes when we find ourselves being loyal to the wrong things, we find ourselves being lost. We find ourselves finding that there is something missing in our lives, we can go through all of the tasks and we can think that this is exactly what the society wants from us because we're loyal to what we were told to be loyal to, but we realize maybe we're not being loyal to the right things, devoted to the right things. There's a story in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10 where Jesus has a famous encounter with someone who is identified as the rich young ruler. Let me define rich young ruler for you right now in probably contemporary terms. Someone, probably between 20 and 45. I just say that. Actually, it's 40. I'm just trying to keep myself. Anyway, okay, okay. But, but anyway, but 20 and 40. As someone in that range, right, who on their own, without inheritance, became successful. And used their success in a way to become influential. Someone that others looked at and said they have it going on. 
That's who the rich young ruler is. Does anybody know anybody like that today? Who drives a nice car, who has a nice house, who has gone to school, who has done the right things, the business moves, all of those things where they live comfortably, right? We live in suburbia, everybody. We get it. This is us. This is us. And what's so cool about this story, as we're about to read, is that as we read this, I'm, I, it's the first time I've ever really thought about this, right? I preach about the prodigal son. Does everybody know the story of the prodigal son? His name is Albert Pujols. He's come home, St. Louis Cardinals fans. Let's go. Anyway, no, sorry, I get sidetracked. But anyway, but the prodigal son, right, it's the parable that Jesus teaches of the son who was at home. He started at home. He went away. He took his father's inheritance. He went away. He blew it all. He did evil things. He hung out with prostitutes, hung out with the villains, all that stuff. Found himself eating slop in the troughs, realized he needed to come home. It's a beautiful thing. And what I'm learning is that, that yes, people have that story. They do. And that is a genuine story. But what I'm learning in our world today, in our culture today, is more people probably can relate to who we're going to be talking about today. Someone who has found success. They never started at home in the first place. They have found success in the eyes of the world to become influential. They don't really hang out with bad people, but they know something is missing. Friends, I think this is our, these are our neighbors. These are our neighbors. So we have this perspective as we hear this story in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. Here we go. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you just to underline, then come follow me at this point, okay? And we'll come back to that. Backstory on this conversation that Jesus is having with this young man. This young man who had built himself up into his community where people were looking at him. He had a successful TikTok channel. He was doing good, doing all right. People looked at him and, and, and thought about this. Backstory really quick on this. In this time, if you had money, it looked like that you had divine favor. Okay? If you had money, you had divine favor. It's a good thing we've moved on from that, isn't it, people? <laughs> Thank you for the one chuckle. Anyway, but it's true. We have not moved on from that. We still, for some reason, feel like if you have prosperity, then God has given you favor. Let's just get that out of the way. That is not a true statement, okay? All right, so when we look at this, so the disciples are watching, thinking this guy's already got, he's already good with God. Why is he coming to Jesus? 
This guy who looked good on paper, he's realizing that he has everything, but he's missing something. He's looking around and seeing everybody being drawn into Jesus, right? If that, everybody else wants some of Jesus, maybe I need to, because I'm an influential person. I need to understand who this Jesus is. I'm going to go have a conversation with him. And he asked the right question. He even calls him a good teacher. He's good at brown-nosing, right? If you know successful people, they're not idiots. They know how to get money. They know how to move forward. This guy knew what to do. You're a good teacher. It's not even what you're supposed to say to a rabbi, but he's just brown nosing. You're a good teacher. Right? Let me move up. Okay, now I've got his good. Now I'm just going to seal the deal. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Right? That's the right question to ask. What am I supposed to do for eternal life? He knows what to do, he's done his research. And Jesus then responds with the last five of the Ten Commandments. Right? Last five of the Ten Commandments. He lays them out. And then this guy, he's like, well, that's good because I'm good. This deals with people. I'm good to people. I've done this since I was a boy. Probably meaning that since I was 13, since his bar mitzvah. Since I was a boy, I have treated people well. I haven't done evil. I'm a good person. I deserve eternal life. Now listen to this. This is, this is so common in today's world. I'm a good person. I don't do bad things. I deserve it. I deserve for you to watch over me. I'm good. And Jesus, I mean, this is the beauty. Jesus just says, okay then, go and sell what you truly love, which is your title, which is your wealth, which is your influence, give it all up. Then come and follow me. I told you to underline and then come and follow me. You know who else he asked that? The 12 disciples. Do you ever think, well, if Jesus ever came down and like was face to face with me and asked me to do something, I'd do it. It's Jesus standing right in front of me. Duh, why would I turn that down? He said, did anybody ever say no to Jesus? This guy did. He said no. He chose what brought him joy without God over living for God. Hmm. This is a powerful story for us to begin to comprehend and understand. This is something that I truly believe for us as as people who are wanting to live a life in in the way that God chooses us to live, but also live a life that we want to define as the good life. It's this balance for us. It's this balance for me. The good life and the God life. And we try to live them separately. I want this but I know I probably should have this. Or I know I should be following God, but boy, this seems really good. It's the tension that somehow in Jesus' actions that make us really want to call to be inactive, like the rich young ruler. You want the thing that I hold the dearest to me? Like in this moment, remember what the other disciples had to give up. They gave up family. They gave up funerals. 
They gave up their jobs. They gave up their lives. And what did they get in return? Abundant blessing of knowing God as their Savior here on earth and forevermore. It's this weird tension that we think is only happening now, but has always been the issue and the tension in our lives. It's who are we for? What are we loyal to? Are we loyal to the right things? Have we fallen into the mantra, if I feel good, then it's okay. And it must be what God wants me to do. Or have we looked at the teachings of Jesus and realized what He is calling us to become? It's a tension as a pastor that I am not something just immune to, right? How I talk with other pastors. Well, my church is, we're awesome. We set up chairs every week, you know? (laughs) It's easy to do. It's easy to make sure I'm living for myself and my kingdom versus God's kingdom. Right now, what I believe for the church to rise up, that means all churches, what I believe for you in your walk with God right now to rise up is that to listen to this question and to be able to answer it. Anything that you have decided to, that brings you joy, but without God. Hear this. Is that what you choose? Anything, are you choosing joy with God or the things that bring you joy that are without God? Are we choosing that personally, as a church, as a kingdom? Because this is the thing. We have to be honest with this question. Because at times we are the rich young ruler. And Jesus is asking us this. It's not an issue. Right now, I'm not going to be like, everybody go sell everything. That's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. We get so blind when it comes to money. Just be generous. That's all I say. Just be generous. It is amazing how you'll change lives for Jesus. But that's not what this passage is about. This passage is not about money. It's exactly about this. Anything that you have decided that brings you joy but is without God, it will become the master that destroys you. Money. Family. Remember the other disciples? Status. Where you live. How many cars you... What, whatever. If that, if you think that will bring you joy, but it's without God, it will destroy you. This is the beauty of God. This is what, this is, I mean, this is the beauty of Jesus here. Jesus wasn't like, this wasn't like a talking down. He didn't want him to leave sad. He was, he just identified what his God was. That's it. He said, hey, buddy. You're rich, you're famous, you're good-looking, you're very similar to Justin Bieber probably in this situation. You, this is what you need to do. Because right now, you're, you don't see it, but you're, you're, you're dying. You're destroying yourself. You know how you came to me? Because you said, I have all of these things, but I'm missing that one thing. 
you're going to keep pursuing all of these things, all of these travels, or all of these, these influential things, but you're always going to miss out. Jesus was actually with great love approaching, approaching this man. And he wants to do the same for us. He wants to do the same for you. He doesn't want you to live a life that feels destroyed. Uh, a few years ago, more than a few years ago, John Lennon, I don't know if you know, he was a Beatle. He was in this band, that band. Anyway, it was just a couple years ago. Anyway, but John Lennon, singer of the Beatles, he went through this phase where he had a dialogue. He used to watch televangelists. I don't know if that's the greatest, like, but anyway, he did. And so, uh, but he had an, a correspondence with Billy Graham. And they went back and forth. There was this curiosity about who Jesus is. And he came to that point, just like the rich young ruler. People can say no to Jesus. It's hard. I hate that. I don't want anybody to say no to Jesus. That's why I do what I do. I want everyone to know that Jesus is Lord. I want every tongue to confess and every knee to bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's my mission statement. There you go. I want it. So my heart breaks when I see that rich young rulers all the time are turning their backs on Christ. And this moment, John Lennon, Mr. Influential, unfortunately said no. I mean, this isn't, a, this isn't an uncommon thing in our lives for us to understand. Uh, I want to finish. Well, here you go. I'm not going to do Okay, here's a, here's a quote by a, a great theologian who passed away way too soon. His name is Dallas Willard, and he says, The organized churches must become schools of spiritual disciplines where Christians are taught how to own without treasuring, how to possess without, like the rich young ruler, being possessed, how to live simply, even frugally, though controlling great wealth and power. What a good reminder for us. If possessions are our only target, we will fall short. But if God is our target, we will have great life. I'm going to jump to the last quote by E. Stanley Jones, where he says this, great missionary, great missionary in India. He says, all coming to Jesus has the feeling of homecoming upon it. All going away from him has the sense of estrangement upon it. The rich young ruler went away from Jesus sorrowfully. Everybody does. Not only estrangement from God, but also estrangement from oneself and the universe and from life. You are not at home with life unless... You are at home with life. And Jesus is life. I was blown away studying this this week. Where do we, where is our loyalty? And what is it that we want? Do we want the good life? The good life is not what the rich young ruler thought the good life was. The good life is life in the Lord. Life in the Lord. It doesn't matter. No, it, what do you need to drop? If you had that interaction with Jesus, what is it that you are saying, I want to have joy, this brings me joy, but it's without God. What is that for you? What is that? We all have it. 
If I was braver, I'd share mine right now. But I haven't had enough coffee. We all have it. We have to identify it. Because those words, come and follow, Jesus is asking each and every one of you those words. And he's ready for you to come and follow him. He's excited for you to have life, genuine life in Christ. Let us go and follow Jesus, dropping what we think will bring us joy to step into the most ultimate amounts of joy we could ever imagine, the good life with Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord, the actions that you call us to take sometimes are hard, but yet, Lord, you are calling us to live a life that is honoring and pleasing to your Father. And that's what we want. We've learned that when we walk in holiness, it brings with it happiness. And when we are happy, we have joy. And when we are joyful, we experience life. And God, this is what you hope and pray for us. So right now, Lord, if there is something for some of us that we just need to say, I am done with, why do I try to impress others so often when I know it's not what I need to worry about? Why am I concerned with with this aspect when I know all I need to do is follow Jesus? Today I pray that none of us walk out of here with sorrow and sadness, but we walk out of here with Jesus knowing that you are with us. And no more will we be defined by the things that we think we need, but rather we walk out hand in hand with you. Fill us, O God. Let us be full of you. In your name we pray. Amen. Here in the Life of the Branches, we end every service by taking communion. We simply do this because Jesus said, do this as often as you can, as a reminder of what Christ's sacrifice has done for you. We aren't to take advantage of this, but we are to be grateful that we can take part in a sacrament, something that is sacred. And here we are, 2,000 years later, getting to do so. As we remember, we are reminded that our sins went upon the cross, our shame as well, and that we can be forgiven of that so that we can walk with Christ in all that we do. So as we pray, we will confess that our sins in the stillness and the silence of our hearts so that we can allow for God's grace to fill us and so that we can be full of Jesus' love. Would you, would you pray with me? Oh, holy God, you are good. And as you sat around with the disciples the night before you went to the cross, you broke bread and you passed the cup. And you did this so that we would be reminded that your body was broken and that your blood was spilled for, for us so that we could be made new and whole. How beautiful is that? So God, right now we confess our sins in the stillness of our heart. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. Let us now be filled with your love so that as we leave this place, we are taking Christ with us wherever we go. In your name we pray, amen.
the body of Christ broken for you, take and eat. And the blood of Christ shed for you and the forgiveness of your sins, take and drink. O holy God, you are good. Your love overflows upon us. If we came here feeling broken, Lord, we ask that you make us feel, feel full again and feel healed. And Lord, if we came here feeling that our cup was half empty, that you just fill us up to overflowing right now. God, your love is so radiant. And let it be radiated through us. In your name we pray. Amen. Alright, as we go from this place, let us go, not in sorrow, but let us go in joy. So turn to someone right now, give them a high five. Boom. Boom. Say, let's go with joy. Let's go with Jesus. Guys, as we leave this place, let us be Christ to those around us. Let us be light in the midst of darkness. And let us always be His love to those who are so in need of it around us. Go with Christ. See you next week. There'll be a donkey.